today's Real Talk. Justin Gazepas, North Carolina real estate attorney, real estate broker, investor. Grew up here in the Charlotte Lake Norman area. Uh, been here since the mid 90s as a kid and got into the family business of real estate. And since then, been taking the journey. At some point, there's a, there's a friend, you'll have a friend who is in real estate. And so for me, that journey began getting my broker license in 2012. And I've been able to see the area shift, seen uh, the trends, witnessed, uh, you know, at this point, certain effects of decisions. You see, some, some decisions have an immediate effect. Some decisions, particularly when it comes to development, you can immediately find out you know, what, what's going to happen based on this. And some take years. Think about the roads that we're driving on. Think about the road you're on right now. That road hasn't always been there. Likely at some point, what you're driving through now was once farmland. Just a naturally treed forest. But the landscape is continuing to shift as more and more people move here to North Carolina, particularly to our region, Lake Norman, Charlotte area. And with the trend of people moving here so much, the question is, is how far is it going to go? I don't know if that's the right question to be asking, though. Because let me ask you, let, let me ask you. Why do we want it to stop? What's the long-term effect if people stop wanting to move here? And so I'm getting into a little bit of social psychology right now. Why would people not want to move to an area? Taxes, culture, quality of life. See, but those three things are very strong right now in our particular area, hence why we have such a great demand. And so if we try to create ways for people to stop moving here, as many would want, and I don't really know about many. I don't even know if I should use that term many. Do a few hundred people on social media make up the true belief of an entire community or a majority of the community? I think the common answer is, it's okay, as long as it's not happening in my backyard. That's known as NIMBY, not in my backyard. But there are long-term effects. We're seeing right now a reality of cost. As I've mentioned before, and, and as you may know, the fiscal year for municipalities, for counties, for the state. They don't run on the normal calendar cycle as the vast majority of us as individuals or businesses run on. The cycle is July 1st through June 30th for municipalities, for governments. So we are in the brand new, the first month of the brand new fiscal year budget for your municipality, where you live. 
Where did the budget land? Are you okay with the way the budget and the taxes worked out? Did your municipality go revenue neutral? Did they, did they agree to only spend the amount that they're bringing in? Did your rate go up on your taxes for your property? 844-STUDIO-4. You've got something on your mind about real estate, about development. Good, bad, and different. I want to hear from the community. I want to hear from you. Are the development projects you're seeing good, bad? And look, you're going to have to get specific with me here. What is it you like? What is it you don't like? You got questions about infrastructure? Let's talk about it. You think that the project that's going in is going to decimate the neighborhood? Let's talk about it. You think the project is going to be really, really good and drive a lot of economic activity and provide high-paying jobs? Let's talk about it. Who's bringing good projects and who's bringing bad projects? 844-STUDIO-4. Phone lines are open. You're welcome to call. If you missed this show or any of the previous shows, you can go to WSICnews.com. And under radio shows, you'll find our show, Today's Real Talk, where we focus on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. And you can check out the previous episodes. You can see what's been going on, what we've been talking about, who we've had in the studio. Last week, we were joined by Josh and Charlene Deering of the Deering team, part of Sirhant, a brokerage um, firm coming here into North Carolina. They focus on, on the lake-style properties here. And there's a lot of good agents out there. There's a lot of good real estate brokers. There's some really bad real estate brokers out there. And so maybe you've got a question about a particular transaction you've been going through. Maybe you want to talk about some of the things you're seeing as you're, maybe you just sold. Maybe you're working on buying right now. Let's hear about the horror stories. Let's find out what's going on in the marketplace. Are the standards there for representation of buyers and sellers in the marketplace? And there's some good ones. There's some brokers that have been doing this a long time that know what they're doing. And know at WSICnews.com, you can check out all the local real estate. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to provide a resource to you that was hyper-local and accurate. Because data matters, right? Because part of the car, and I get it. Like A lot of people's concerns right now of these big major development projects coming through and all of this stuff getting built and all of these things happening in the local town, there's, there's a common concern. And that's if these major development projects come through and the values all go up, is my home's value going to go so high that I can no longer afford my taxes and thus I'm going to be forced to move? That's a genuine question. I don't think it's that simple of an answer. Anybody who just says, yeah, that's going to happen. You see, the, the, the counties set the value of your property. It's a countywide valuation system. So if your property is worth $100,000 or $100 million, well, that value comes from the county evaluating. And each county is different as far as how frequently uh, they do update. Now, statutorily, they are required to update every so often. But the cost of doing that valuation 
thus determines how frequently that value does change. Mecklenburg County just went through a revaluation. I believe Iredell County uh, either has or is about to be going through a revaluation. And it comes at a time post-COVID. 2020, prices start going up. Locked up in the house. We need more space, amenities, school, location, all of that. So prices started going up, and the demand started coming. People started flooding to the state. I told you a couple weeks ago, if you're upset at how many people are moving here, blame yourself. Because you are what makes this community great. You are the reason why people are moving here. Keep doing great things. People are going to keep coming. And we're going to keep coming with more content. Talking about real estate. North Carolina real estate business and life. Today's Real Talk, 844-STUDIO-4. If you want to talk about real estate in the area, let us know about a project. We're going to talk some market data when we come back. How high are the prices going? We're going to look at both counties. Today's Real Talk. Today's Real Talk. Justin Kazepis. Here we talk about North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Kind of a beachy vibe going on, too. Like, hey, are you, are you going off to paradise? Are you going off to your, your sunset villa and enjoying this uh, beautiful place we call home? We've got a call uh, coming in. I, I believe, Hope, Hope, you on the line? Yes, I sure am, Justin. How you doing? Another day in paradise, Hope. Hope the same you yeah gotta push the padisms so i'm down that's right anyhow i just wanted to maybe ask me a question about your subject not so much on the real estate side but just on the sociology side of it when it comes to what you're talking about because i too like i told you started in california and what i feel like i'm watching right now going on what you talk about is california 1995 because you started off with, well, what do you think? Is it going to get more or less? Are people going to stop coming, this and that? I can tell you that the construction does suck. And then after it's done, the roads are good and the people come even harder and faster, which is okay. We need that for the economy. But at the same time, my biggest thing is, you know, it took me three weeks to learn to drive slower when I got here from <laughs> California. What we have to focus on, and I've said it to you before, if the people are going to come, we have to teach them, please do not bring with you what you left for. You know, you left for a reason. Now, I call it reverse grapes of wrath myself because it did. It grew so fast. In 1998, I should have bought a house for $65,000, a condo, because in 2004, same place, $400,000. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Oh. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty Isn't twenty. It? I know. Yeah. If I could yeah. go back so, even to twenty, if I can go back even to twenty twenty, hope I probably would have bought almost any piece of property I could get my hands on, knowing where the market sits now. Correct. Yeah, but and that's the money side of stuff. But the sociology side of it is, is that we, you know, even in politics, it's like, you know, we just all need to band together. I don't care what your politics is. Okay, we need to not think that money is what creates culture, but it's the culture itself. 
and that will get lost so quick. And even today, I had a headlights lady. I'm like, can you tell me why you're sitting there with your car on with your headlights? And she's like, well, that's just how the car's got it set. I'm like, well, did you know that that, that got in my eyes? And if you're sitting here and not driving, can you not shut them off? You know, that kind of, just all these kind of things, because we got to keep America strong in every little bit way we can. Well, culture is very important, and you're right. And that's something I would tell people as a closing attorney before I, I exited my practice, and if they were moving from somewhere up north, out west, down south, wherever they were moving from, I always would, would leave them with the table with this. I'd always say, you know, here in North Carolina, we wave with all five fingers. And I think that's an important thing to impose for everybody is that's what makes this place great. That's what makes North Carolina great. That's right. what makes our area great in particular. And we want to preserve that. And that, and again, that is what's drawing people in. And I go with quality of right. life on that. And so you're right. How is it you. that we can preserve that, well, Hope? What do you think? What's the best tip you can give to somebody? I to don't know. Well, when I first moved here, I was just learning to wave. And before I had totally gotten it, I saw people putting their heads down because I hadn't. Okay. <laughs> so when I first moved here and I've got, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then when I first moved here, everybody waved. Now that everybody has moved here, nobody waves. And I tend to use the I love you symbol in sign language myself because it's harder to get to the middle finger from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you just keep waving at people, Hope, no. though, and you'll keep that good vibes going for people and teach right. them. Because what I it say, really I means. love you. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly I right. I say, I love you because I was letting myself get frustrated. And I can start with my own control first, right? Because one of my quotes, your self-control will command respect. Your lack of self-control will command the control that you don't want. And so we have to just say, okay, if it's going to grow this fast, are we going to leave it to the, the vices? Or are we going to go ahead and use what God's given us and... One more quote, we are in times which give us the opportunity to behave like the goodness we pray for. So let's do it, people. You know, you know, genitals on the table. There let's you, go. There you go. That's what I got to say. Hope, thank you for that sound advice. Anyway. <laughs> we appreciate you, Hope, always. <laughs> thank you for letting me be free. <laughs> Anytime, Hope. Have a good rest of your day. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so Hope uh, calling in with uh, spitting spit facts at people. Because look, if you're going to come here, you better come, you better come smiling because you're leaving something bad and you're coming to something good. So keep that in mind. We want to keep that going. We've got another caller. William's on the phone. William has some thoughts on the subject. William, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Yourself, Justin? Another day in paradise, sir. Hope the same for you. Yes, living the dream. Listen, um... The infrastructure that you were speaking of before the break, um, I had talked to Mayor of Cornelius, Woody, I believe is his uh, nickname or real name. Anyway, he confirmed what I thought, that uh, that I-77 toll road project was yes, farmed out by a foreign company. Uh, my question is, is why was it farmed out, if you know the answer? I didn't get a chance to ask him. He probably does know. But I'm guessing that the state of North Carolina at the time did not have it in their budget to do it. Yeah, I wasn't in the—they didn't ask me my opinion, William, first off. Now, now I, I even as young as I was at that time, not having any decision-making authority, I, I was pretty vocal just internally with just people that I knew. Uh, this didn't make sense. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, and I'm, I'm not picking fights, I, I think that at the time, you know, Governor McCrory, 
who really kind of he was a big backing of this. I think the election results after the fact, right, really showed how the people felt about the project, um, and he definitely learned a lesson on that one. And you know, elections have consequences, and 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 at the same time, our actions have consequences. And I think that uh, a lot of the citizens made a decision based on the I seventy seven project, particularly here, right, throughout from Statesville, really Mooresville South through Charlotte. It really wasn't culturally and and efficiency wise what we were looking for, but the little knowledge I've got as the internal workings, I think you're absolutely right, Williams. We didn't have the major budget to pay for it in the immediate, where this private company was willing to carry costs and they were recouping it based off of collecting the money from the toll fees, if I understand correctly. That's really was the crux of it. And as it always comes down to, you and I both know this, William. You and I both know that it comes down to cost of this infrastructure, which if you're around some developers long enough, you find out that these municipalities pass on the infrastructure projects ultimately to the developer, which trickles down then to the consumer, thus causing higher prices. Governor Pat McClory and lots of other elected officials should have seen the handwriting on the wall. I've been in the North Carolina area since the 80s. And I moved up here from Miami, and my dad's from up in this area, and he wanted to come home. He wanted to get me out of South Florida back in the 70s because it was getting too overcrowded. North Carolina has always been a popular state because there's so much to offer. People know that. People realize that. New people have come to realize that, and that's the reason why they're moving here. Lake Norman and Pacific has grown in the last 15 years more than it has in 45 years since I've been living here. Um, so they should have known the money. Just for a small example, what I'm, my point that I'm trying to get across is, is that the toll road, all right, so they're going to get it. They're going to do it. Whether you agree with it or not, doesn't matter. They did it. So the revenue that we're collecting off of that today, we could have been pocketing that ourselves and helped for future projects like the Highway 150 on Lake Norman that's coming up that Jeff McNeely and um, Senator um, Vicky are trying to uh, get things going on that. So I just don't understand why they do some of the things they do. I wish I knew a lot of things, William. And it's funny because you mentioned the, the 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 fees they're collecting. You know, in the mornings, if you're driving on 77 and you're you're driving past the tolls, it it is mind blowing to me how many people are willing to sit in the traffic compared to paying the fees for the tolls. I mean, you you talk about the ultimate stick it to a mantra. I mean, those toll lanes most of the time are pretty wide open. You're not seeing gaggles of people flock to those lanes to use it. People literally are waiting extra 30 minutes to get from, let's say, exit 36 to, to 485, right? Just because they don't want to pay for the toll lane. So I think you're spot on. And we're seeing every day that that missed the mark. And, and a lot of people are willing to admit that at this point. A lot of the politicians are willing to admit at this point. But to your, but to your point, William, how do we move forward? How do we, I don't know how deep it really goes, right? You're talking about probably what, billions of dollars spent on that infrastructure project. Shoot, what's what's the current, you know, cubic yard of, of concrete cost right now? Times that by a jillion, and there you go. And so what do we do going forward? How do we get more local dollars for infrastructure? Because here's the real question. 
Should Raleigh be in control well, we have, of the dollars for our local municipalities? We, you know, it was bad decision making for sure. But we got to ask ourselves what's going on with the project here in Statesville with the uh, crossroads of America, as they want to call it, with the two interstates intersecting. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan said it the best when he was in office. He said that it's cheaper to keep our infrastructure that we already have established in play than it is to try to rebuild. Now, I understand that we've got to add on because of the urban development that's happening, especially around the Lake Norman area. Like, I can't say it enough. There's been more people moved into that area in the last 15 years than there has in 40. Um, so there, there's not enough roads to accommodate all these people that have moved into the area. Um, so, you know, I hope we've learned our lesson from the I-77 toll road because I, I think it's come back to bite us in the rear end here. Yeah. Wise words, William. We appreciate you calling. Um, we're coming up on a break. If you've got thoughts, uh, whether it be I-77 tolls, whether it be about a particular project going on in the area, 844-STUDIO-4. Uh, sound advice so far from our listeners. Look, you better come here smiling. You better be ready to have a good time. And our officials, you better be making smart decisions because we're paying attention. A lot of people are paying attention. Too long has it gone with nobody asking questions. And we got plenty of it. Today's Real Talk, coming right back. Today's Real Talk. Justin Gazepis, North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Maybe you're dreaming of a little vacay. Maybe you're you're just wasting away the summer enjoying it in a positive way. You're not wasting. You're enjoying the sweet nothings, and we've got it. 844-STUDIO-4. Uh, love to get your thoughts on the current real estate market. Who Who's out there trying to find a place and just, just can't? Inventory's low. Prices are high. Been renting for a while, pinching pennies, saving, following the Ramsey baby steps, getting to it. And you're ready. You're excited. Got that missus waiting on a spot. Baby on the way. Need a little bit more room. But you're already thinking about schools. You're already thinking about what's next. And because of that, You've got to make some decisions. A lot of decisions having to be made. Housing's a big part of it. Housing's a big choice in life. We're finding more and more how important schools are. School choice. <sighs> Talk about shift in the market. See, I think that's how you open up some doors right there. School choice goes through, if it does, all the way. And you get a set amount, a, a voucher program where your kid, you get a set dollar amount. Everybody gets the same dollar amount. And you can pick any school you want to go to. Whoo! You talk about shift in the landscape. That's one way we can do it. It's hard for me to see another way. Look, in my public school advocates, I, I went through public school. I don't have a problem with public school. But I think, I think what it's going to do is it's going to create competition. It's going, to create, it's going to force people. It's going to force good stewardship. It's going to force good decision-making. And that's what we need. 
Because if you just move to a house and you by default have to go to a particular school, I mean, you got literally neighborhoods where people say, nah, not interested, doesn't have the school I want. So imagine if that didn't matter. Imagine what you could do for great neighborhoods. But because of the way these lines are drawn, it shifts. And that can be eliminated. 844-STUDIO-4. Market data. So we actively monitor what's going on in the real estate marketplace throughout our entire coverage area, right? So so Mecklenburg County, Iredell County, Lincoln County, Cabarrus County, uh, Rowan County, Catawba County. We, We watch all the data. And we see, we see what's going on. And the prices are, prices are high. I mean, average price Mecklenburg County right now, just shy of 700000 Average price for a residential on-market property. Because that's the thing. We follow on-market data. A lot of investors buying property in cash. A lot of sellers for sale by owner without you know, representation by a real estate broker a licensed professional. And so what we look at, though, is the on-market data. Data submitted by real estate professionals directly to the multiple listing service through the Realtor Association and multiple listing service. Um, For our vast majority of our coverage area, um, it's Canopy MLS. That's the local MLS where the data is inputted uh, into. They cover most of of, uh, our region here in North Carolina and also into South Carolina. It's a significant number of counties. It's a significant number of properties and markets that they're monitoring, and that that's where the data comes from. So on WSICnews.com, we've got active market reports, and these update in real time. I mean, we set the data to pool directly through the system every five minutes. Because I want to know. You know, a $22 million property in Huntersville hits the market. I want to know. And, oh, yeah, there is a $22 million property. There is absolutely uh, houses going, you know, listed for that high. And so if you're looking at, you know, shy of $700,000. Okay, let's, let's go based off the old rule. Let's go conservative. We'll say, okay, you, gotta, you don't want to spend more than 20% of your income on housing. You're going to be making pretty decent coin to be able to afford that. So the question is, are all the jobs here for that? You got people moving here from out of state who have these dollars, who can afford to buy these properties because they're paying cash, because they're moving from places where the price is already significantly higher, and that's driven the price up. And so if you were here locally prior to that, well, then, you know, probably pretty tough. A lot of that necessarily can't be, you know, it's, it's not like it's chosen directly in that moment of, hey, well, I was already here. Do I get any kind of discount or anything? That, that doesn't apply. And so for, for everyone moving here from different areas and they're looking at all these different counties and people even moving here from other counties, right, are starting to have to expand out. We're seeing significant growth toward now Lincoln County, Catawba County, Rowan County, where people are now compromising. Okay, I'll drive a little bit further to get to work. A very common conversation with, you know, municipalities and, and the staff that work, you know, in these planning departments and town staff, what's the percentage of people that actually live in the town where they work at? It's a reasonable question to ask. 
one that, that a lot of people are wondering about. And so how, how much higher can prices go? And we're seeing, we're seeing these reports of more and more jobs being created, thus creating even more demand. And so I don't know how it plant plateaus, if at all. But you do have a significant jump. So if you look at Mecklenburg County, like we said, just shy of, of 700000 as of right now, about 688000 average price. Well, you hop up one county to Iredo County, we're sitting at 580000 as the average price. 1,000 active listings, just over 1,000 active listings for residential property, 580000 And so with the amount of buyers that are in the marketplace who are coming here from areas that that price isn't astronomical to them, it shifts your landscape and your mindset for if you're already here. And this is the interesting thing to me. Lincoln County has jump, jumped up. Lincoln County is at 581000 as far as the average price. So 581000 to live in Lincoln County as your average price on market right now. Who would have dreamt that? Who could have? Who would have dreamt the day that as of right now, as we sit right now, the average price in Lincoln County is higher than it is in Iredell County? And these trends are shifting rapidly at this point because of how many people are literally waiting to find that property. Oh, we're still seeing multiple offers. We're still seeing lines out the door. We're still seeing coming soons and properties going under contract before, you know, they even actually hit the market officially open to the public because people are willing to do sight unseen. That's something that's not uh, very common. You know, typically when I was taught, when I first got into real estate in 2012, probably like the average days on the market before a property would go under contract, 60 days. You know, maybe if it was a good, good property, you'd be looking at like 40, 45, 30, 45 days. You know, then you hit that 60 mark. Okay, you start wondering. And then around 90 days, right, you, you kind of get that activity. We'd have normal ebbs and flows of lowering prices, or excuse me, making the price more competitive. Making sure that uh, we, we allow all buyers the opportunity. See, and then you look at Cabarrus County, 474000 the average price. So it is shifting to where, okay, the, these pockets of areas where you get uh, the price, the average price is less. Okay, well, well, the people that need to afford to live are looking in those er areas. And one of, the, one of the concepts being, okay, what is the first-time home buyer looking at as far as price? What's something reasonable for a first-time home buyer? I mean, when I first started looking for houses in, in this particular area, you could probably you could get a good, good starter home for the mid ones. Unheard of now. Not gonna happen. You think you can get into a nice starter home in a great neighborhood for under two hundred thousand? You better shift that mindset. But we want to help you along the way. Eight four four Studio Four. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the craziest real estate stories that I think I've ever heard. And we're going to find out really, really how to, how to get down to brass tacks on some of this. 844-STUDIO-4, today's Real Talk, North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Coming right back. Today's Real Talk, where we talk about North Carolina real estate, 
business and life. Having a fun time in this island breeze of a summer. It's going to start cooling off soon. You know, we think about the heat. We think about uh, how hot it is outside. It's normal, though, right? Like, we're, we're toward end of July, early August. This is, like, the hottest time of the year, the most humid time of the year. And uh, so as this, the temperature shifts, I think we started back now where the days are getting shorter, like the amount of sunlight. I think that happened, like, the past week or two, where it started shifting back now. Like, it's like a minute every day. Something like the, the sun rises later and sets earlier. Something like that. I don't know. But the sun is still shining here. Look, the craziest thing I'm hearing about real estate right now in our local marketplace, and this is really a warning. It's crazy because it's crazy to me that people would do this. But as we've seen time and time again, um, you know, some people just don't care about others. There's a significant fraud movement coming through right now in the marketplace. And, I, and I've heard from a couple of attorneys um, of this actually happening. So a, a listing agent gets a phone call or an email, some type of communication from someone. Hey, I'm a seller. I'd like to sell this property. Listing agent, you know, doing their job, thinking through the process. Fantastic. I can help. This is what I do. I sell real estate. Oh, I'm in luck then. Thank you. Here's the address. Here's the property. Here's what it's about. All right, cool. Can I come by and check it out? Well, sure. You can check it out. But here's the thing. It's, it's, it's kind of more mostly land. So we're just selling it as is. We're just selling it as is. It's a piece of property. I just want to list it. I want to sell. I want to get out. I'm not in town normally. I'm not in town. And so I'm going to need you to do this kind of groundwork for me. Can you do that, broker? Isn't that part of your job? You kind of do this legwork on the ground for me since I can't really be there? Agent. Not uncommon. Mm, market's a little slow. I need a couple more listings. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's what we do. It's our service. It's our service. We'll take care of all the work for you. You don't have to lift a finger. In fact, I'm just going to send you the documents to sign electronically. Because that's just the easiest way to do this. It's convenient for you, seller. Fantastic. Love the idea, broker. Thank you for that. Let's go through the motions of selling it. We're going to get that nice photography aerial. Some drone footage showcasing this beautiful piece of property. It's in a prime neighborhood, by the way. Great schools, untapped market. But everybody wants to be there right now. And then you get to the closing stage. Property goes under contract, negotiated with the buyer. Unbeknownst to the buyer, even though it's a piece of dirt, you know, hey, oh yeah, they can go and do their inspections. Heck yeah. We have to let them. It's due diligence. We're going to let the buyer do their inspections. No problem. I don't need to be there, right? Nah, seller. You don't have to be there. And then we get to the closing. And we go through the process of an attorney doing a title search, potential buyer getting a loan, lender going through their steps and their motions. Attorney's office collects the seller documents, which include a deed, 
it's called a lien waiver, a, another document that basically a seller certifies that they haven't hired anyone who hasn't been paid to work on the property. Some other forms, ancillary forms, relative. 1099 tax form. Seller submits all these documents. They're notarized. They contain a social security number on them. Wiring instructions where to sell, send the seller proceeds to. Buyer. No, I never really chatted with the seller, but, you know, I had my own broker. So, you know, I'm the brokers, you know, they have, that's what they do. That's their job. I don't have to talk to the seller directly. That's what the broker does. Well, and then there's a phone call after. Sometime after closing. From somebody saying, hey, wait a second, why am I seeing you, attorney, filed a deed with the county selling my property? Because I didn't sell it. I'm the seller. And in fact, I'm about to be in your office in 10 minutes. The real seller shows up at the office. What did you guys do and why did you do it? Why, attorney, did you close on that property? Why, brokers, are you involved with my property? And you listed a property? It's, it's my property. I didn't list it. So come to find out, there's fraudsters out there right now who are buying a notary stamp online, finding a you know, legitimate notary's name, because that's all public information. You go to the Register of Deeds, look up any notarized document. There is a notary signature. On documents that have to be notarized, including a deed. And then they're fake notarizing these documents. And unbeknownst to everybody in this, you know, kind of paperless world right now, deeds getting filed from people who are claiming to be sellers and aren't the actual seller. Buyer spent money, bought the property, potentially got a loan through a lender. Attorney following procedure as far as, hey, I got notarized instructions here. I got notarized documentation. So it's a question of standard then at that point. Because now all of a sudden this fraudster got wired this money. Deed's been conveyed on the, on the public record. Buyer's out a bunch of cash. There's a concept of title insurance. And so insurance companies are getting involved now at this point. The lender's getting involved at this point. Buyer's credit's on the line. Got a loan. What do you do? It's new territory out there, folks. It's new territory. And I'm not touting some service to go check and all that. I don't, I don't believe in all that. I'm just going to be honest with you. As an attorney, it's, it's offensive. No, it's not offensive. It's, it's competition in the marketplace. It is what it is. But nothing beats local. So a general thing I wonder about is at what point do we start having to have regular checks on our title to our homes to make sure it's on the up and up to make sure that someone's not defrauding you. Having a local attorney's office conduct a title search every year just to make sure. That's an added cost to your budget in the year that you weren't anticipating, didn't think you'd have to do. Because there's loopholes in the system. Again, notary stamps, you don't have to have some you know, certification to buy a notary stamp. You can buy one online. I think you can order them on Amazon. And if, and if you submit electronically, you mail in the document, I think you can still pay cash. It's $26 to record a deed in North Carolina. And really, if it's on the settlement statement with the closing attorney's office, you don't even have to, you don't have to pay it. It's on, it's on the books. It just nets off the net figure. 
So you're out, you're out some mailing charges and mailing uh, some documents to an attorney. And then there's the brokerage side. Are brokers supposed to check and verify identity? Is that reasonable? How can you do that? Even if you're in somebody's house, how do you know that the person is who they say they are? You can buy a fake ID online. There's all kinds of ways to commit fraud. It's just sad to be in, a, in an environment where it's happening and it's happening locally. And so what can we do but be vigilant? Be aware. Understand what's going on. There's a lot of people around here that own a lot of property. A lot of people that have gotten investing into real estate and own multiple properties. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to be on the lookout. You've got to work with competent folks. And again, I'm not, I'm not hating on the attorneys. I'm not hating on the brokers. It's just a question of what do we do? You can't just go up in the entire system. You can't just go say, hey, register a deeds. That's it. That's it. Because they do more than just real estate. They do a lot. And so some of this is talking about, okay, well, maybe uh, electronic signatures actually can help. Sounds maybe like an oxymoron because it started with just all being electronic, smooth ease of transaction. But part of it with the legislator right now here in North Carolina, if we're thinking about um, you know, electronic notarization, part of the things in the legislation includes identity verification. And so we're going to hear about the, these technology companies and the tools that they've got in place. There's, there's standards and rules being written right now. The Secretary of State is in a rulemaking process right now as it relates to third-party vendors that want to utilize electronic notarization. And one of the big things being touted is to prevent fraud. So will it really prevent fraud if a software system, if, if some type of device, app, something, was to verify your identity before you could submit documents? The biggest debate for electronic notarization that has, that has been the staple of the conversation is physical proximity between the notary and the principal. The principal is the person signing the document. A lot of people did not want to compromise on the standard of having to be in the same room. And if you're going to electronically notarize a document, you still at least had to be physically present between the notary and the person signing. It's hard because I, I want to see advancements in technology. I want to see convenience. I want to see competition. But this is one that, regardless of all that, and it's not like you have to use this electronic notarization protocol. I mean, how could this fraud have been prevented? I, I, the simple answer, well, if everybody just would have slowed down. I, I don't think that would have mattered. Because the, the seller calls and unbeknownst to the agent, let's list the property. They went through the normal motions. From that point on, how would you know? A lot to think about. A lot going on in the marketplace. Appreciate the calls today. Always enjoy uh, engaging with you. I appreciate you listening. Today's Real Talk here. We talk about North Carolina real estate, business, and life. We'll see you next week.